is ChaosCast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health, elevating conversations about metrics, analytics, and software. From the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software, or short chaos project, to wherever you like to listen. Welcome to this episode. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sustain, a community of open source enthusiasts and professionals that care about the future of open source. Learn more at sustainoss.org. On the panel today are Kate Stewart. Hi, my name's Kate Stewart. I'm with Linux Foundation, and I've been with the Chaos Project pretty much since the start, and I'm a board member there. And as part of my day job, I very much care about dependable embedded systems and making sure we have the metrics to understand open source projects and when they're being used and what risk aspects are involved here. Sophia Vargas. Hello. I know. Sure. Quick background about myself. PGM program manager at Google's open source programs office, focusing on research and analysis, project health, and an active member of the chaos community working in the risk working group. Awesome. Welcome. And Georg Blink. Hi, everyone. Good to be back. I'm the director of sales at Biturgia. I co-founded the Chaos Project. And I'm excited today. As our guest, we have Hilary Carter, who is the vice president of research at the Linux Foundation. So I'm super excited for this conversation. Hi, Hilary. Hi, Georg and Sophia and Kate. It's great to be with you all today. It's great to be a guest on this podcast. Yeah, welcome. So, you know, out of curiosity, what is your background? How did you get to be the vice president of research at the Linux Foundation? Well, I consider myself to be very fortunate to be here. I have an uncommon career path and that I've worked in different industries over the decades, beginning with financial services and then pivoting into digital, both web-based communications, mobile communications and social media. And then I pivoted to blockchain and the internet of value. And prior to my joining the Linux Foundation, I led a research institute entirely dedicated to exploring the phenomenon that is blockchain technology and cryptocurrency called the Blockchain Research Institute. And we created an unprecedented library of insight into blockchain transformations along industry verticals and technology horizontals and community-wide or peer-to-peer dynamics. And we had worked closely with the Linux Foundation, particularly the Hyperledger Project, now the Hyperledger Foundation. And the Linux Foundation wanted to create a similar model of insight into the open source paradigm, helping people understand what's happening in open source communities. What are the opportunities? What are the challenges? Who is participating? Which industries are participating? And ultimately answering the question, why? And what value is being generated? And how can we get involved? And so that's what I'm so excited to be doing for the Linux Foundation under Linux Foundation Research. So that's quite a broad mandate and just really awesome to hear you stepping into this role, given that there's so much opportunity. I guess our our first question is, how do you start to prioritize what you even address? So can you talk us through a little bit about your 
this planning process and scoping process to choose what you choose to investigate? Yeah, great question. And it was an important question to answer at the outset of the formation of any project, but particularly research. We launched research a year ago, so April 2021. And our initial goals were to engage the community at large, everyone from contributors, project leaders, LF members, employees, and to get the community involved and let everyone involved in open source know that there's a mechanism now through which they can contribute insights and be counted on a more predictable and recurring basis. We also wanted to help prioritize the content that we would develop, decided a good way to go about doing that was to create a governance model uh, and the formation of a research advisory board. And that board would help us prioritize an inaugural research agenda. And so we have formed the board from eight delegate members of the Linux Foundation's Platinum community. Now we have three members from the academic community and we have two members by invitation from Europe because we did not have a great representation geographically from Europe. So we invited two, the ad hoc is the wrong word, but suffice it to say, having a board come together to help us prioritize an inaugural research agenda was really important. We also needed to establish a baseline capability, hire a team, recruit subject matter experts. Those were the initial priorities of getting the program established. And then we could begin the process of creating research and publish an initial tranche of reports into the open source paradigm. We knew the framework that we wanted to apply to help structure our program. And I'm borrowing from my previous research institutes model of looking at opportunities and challenges within industry verticals across individual technology horizontals, and then looking broadly at ecosystem-wide issues that are pervasive within all industries and across all technologies, issues such as cybersecurity or diversity, equity, inclusion, or leadership issues, things like that, that are ecosystem-wide. So establishing that framework was a priority for the program. And now that we have that in place, we can dedicate our energies now to the production and publication of these insights. When you talk about the open source paradigm and the framework that you built around it, where do you see the community within that? Because here at Chaos, we care about the open source community and the analytics around that. So the community is pervasive. It's in all projects. And that's what's really quite exciting about conducting research within open source is that research is by the community for the community. I've long believed that research is a team sport and that we cannot conduct research without the inputs of the community very broadly. It cannot be a top-down exercise. It is not about one enterprise or one person, but it is about all of us and how we interact collectively that makes this a very interesting field of study. So this is very much a, com a community-driven, community-led resource. And what has amazed me is the extent to which the community is so eager to get involved in the research process, whether it's completing a survey or contributing to 
a peer review of a report, a peer review of a survey, distributing a survey, funding a research study. Research is an activity that tends to excite all stakeholders in open source in different ways. It gives the community a voice. That's what's so very rewarding about this. Okay, I'll pick up another one for you then, Hillary. You've now been about a year in this role. What are some of the things that you were surprised to learn about research in this area? Great question, Kate. I was surprised at the extent to which research is a community-wide phenomenon. So that was an adjustment for me to open myself up to the open source methodology and open sourcing research at all the different stages of research and inviting many people to participate in that process, as opposed to having it singularly managed by a hired project leader who would then go off and conduct insight and and findings and report back to my previous organization. No, this is a totally different environment in which to conduct research. I also think it produces more robust and reliable research, the many eyes, philosophy and practice within open source communities leads to better outcomes, not just in technology stacks, but in research deliverables as well. So it's been a a tremendous benefit. I feel confident that I didn't have to go down this road alone, that I had the support of community leaders, colleagues, contributors wanting to participate and validate that we were indeed along the right path. And I'm the better and stronger for it. And definitely LF Research benefits from that kind of participation. So that was an adjustment for me. But if I were to go and launch a research program in a different type of environment, I would very much invite an open model to the practice of research development. So I have to ask, as, as a fellow researcher, anytime you're really adapting the fundamental framework of how you're operating, in, in this case, now you're operating in an, an open source environment, I liked your comment of involving and engaging in that method and bringing that into the research methodology. But then when you think about traditional research approaches in terms of incentive sampling, how you choose and select and recruit various people for studies, Things are now taking a different model and in, in open source, given the, the types of approaches you've already described. I'm kind of curious from your experience as a researcher and now a researcher working in an open source model, how have you had to adapt your processes or research processes in order to continue to develop, I guess, vettable methodologies, but now in this new format and just kind of helping us all to learn how to approach this space? The dynamics are certainly different in open source communities, whereby the incentive structure of surveying has changed for me within this environment. It's often been a practice that there are giveaways or contests or some kind of monetary reward for participating in a survey. And that's not been the case for Linux Foundation research projects that we have led. There is a high degree of intrinsic motivation and that changed the need to have any kind of monetary incentive. I really do think that's specific to this environment. We did implement a few studies where our partners really wanted an incentive structure, a gift card, and we found that we got a lot of spam in the respondent population and we 
have decided to altogether remove any kind of incentive structure in LF research that isn't otherwise related to a training and certification discount or a discount to a community event. And what we found is that that's actually enhanced our sample. It has reduced the level of spam in our survey responses. And we're quite confident that we can carry on conducting research and let intrinsic motivation lead the community. I suppose practice and how you leverage incentives in the research process. I've also been surprised at the extent of engagement across a community where certain project communities can put a survey out on Slack and get a thousand respondents within a week. And other communities are a little bit more challenging. I think if the content is quite specialized, whether it's about enterprise blockchain or knowledge of software bill of materials, sampling can sometimes require a third party panel and paid sample. And I think that that's a good thing too, because it reduces bias from a community that knows and loves the Linux Foundation and its projects or their subscribers to Linux Foundation newsletter or their followers on social media. And in a way, they're already in the tent. But pulling in third-party sample from a panel provider, I think is an excellent, excellent thing to do. So in terms of methodology, I believe that LF Research has made a practice of encouraging third-party panel providers into this process where it really wasn't, I don't believe it was that common previously. I think the Linux Foundation has been spoiled by the extent of the community's willingness to participate in the process. Sometimes when we get down to researching issues that become increasingly more complex, we need to spend a little bit of money to get an adequate sample in the study. I love the idea of rewarding community participation with things that enhance the community, like participating in events. I really like that idea. I do too. And what has surprised me is the actual lack of uptake on some of these incentives. There had been some concern that by way of offering a deep discount, we would create administrative chaos for ourselves. But looking at how many survey respondents actually avail themselves of a discount code, it's quite surprising that these are not motivators that are present in the open source community. There is this intrinsic motivation that exists for the most part. And if we're not getting sample, it's just because we don't have a critical population who can accurately answer some of the more niche questions that we're asking. While open source software today is powering critical infrastructure, the open source ecosystem as a whole is rapidly changing, facing challenges for governance, maintenance, maintainer burnout, funding, marketing, and more. Are you concerned about these things for your open source software too? Well, in the Sustained community, we discuss these challenges and share solutions for how to sustain open source in the long haul. We meet once per year in person, and the rest of the time we keep the fire burning in our discourse forum. Join our conversations at sustainoss.org and sustainoss on Twitter. So that covers the side of collecting questions through surveys. What about collecting trace data? And I know the Linux Foundation has the LFX Insights platform that already has a lot of data. So I'm curious, how much do you leverage that resource and how much do you collect other 
data about communities without having to incentivize people. It's a wonderful database, LFX. And while there's still elements of the LFX Insights Portal that are in beta, to date, we have leveraged this data lake in two studies in significant ways. And I think we'll continue to dig into our own project community data to create insight. I'll give you an example of one report. One of our initial reports that we did at LF Research was investigating enterprise blockchain. And the Hyperledger now foundation had LF Research conduct a market research piece as to how well understood the brand tenets of Hyperledger technologies were known, what the value proposition was for Hyperledger vis-a-vis other blockchain protocols and so on. And also to dispel some of the myths and misperceptions that Hyperledger technologies were confused with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and environmental degradation and so on. There's another myth that exists in enterprise blockchain, and that is that there is one enterprise and one enterprise alone that is leading the maintenance of Hyperledger technology stacks. And what we were able to do through LFX was demonstrate that this is simply not true and that there were a surprising number of enterprises who were active contributors into Hyperledger technologies over the course of the past many years. And to be able to include a visual from LFX into a research project really made the case. It provided evidence that this myth that exists in the marketplace is unfounded. And it's incumbent upon the Hyperledger community and all of us to better educate the ecosystem on what is taking place within Hyperledger. Who's contributing? Why are they contributing? What technology stacks are they working on? But LFX proved to be that invaluable resource and the visuals that we can generate through simple screenshots. A report published last week by the LFAI and Data Foundation used a shot of contributor growth over time in the AI and data vertical. And it's just lovely to be able to demonstrate growth. I should also say that Hyperledger in particular noticed a decline through LFX in contributors to certain projects over time, which concerned them enough to say, do we need to do further research into this area to determine why? Or is this a sign of project maturity and that the technology stack as it stands today is robust. It doesn't need a lot of changes. It's mature. Do we need constant cycles in this particular project? Not necessarily. And so the research that we did countered what LFX was saying about activity decline in our project communities is not necessarily a sign of poor health. The study came back with tremendous results in favor of Hyperledger as being a very well-known, highly trusted technology community, and that there was every indicator that our survey respondents had intentions to implement solutions that were underpinned by Hyperledger in the next six months, the next year, the next five years, and so on. So the research was invaluable to sort of counter what LFX was telling us about about project contribution slowdown. There's a lot of sort of standard metrics there right now. And obviously chaos is busy working on trying to standardize more of them. Are there 
areas you'd like to be seeing standard more standard metrics evolve to make it easier to match things up and get insight? The short answer is yes. Standardization of metrics is definitely an objective, very important. One project we intend to launch this year, I'll have to speak in general terms here, we hope will serve as a template to standardize study in other areas of our community. And then what we can do is more year-over-year analysis or compare industries along standardized lines to have a common framework for how we measure readiness, open source readiness, for example. We see even within LF project communities, there's some, there isn't a standardization in terms of what constitutes open source readiness. And so we have to work on that as a research program and as a community. It's not about standardization, but a metric that is craved by the community. It comes down to having a measure of economic value that is generated through open source projects, adoption, salaries, jobs, cost um, uh, mitigation, and so on. There's so many different ways we can measure economic value, but how do we go about doing that? We're starting this year with such a project among Fortune 500 enterprises, but we have a long way to go. So it's exciting. The potential of what we can standardize and have year-over-year views is, it's quite exciting. Well, I don't know, Hillary, it sounds like you need to join the value working group (laughs) in chaos, (laughs) since there's lots of people thinking about this already. (laughs) Well, I hope the value working group could get involved in this upcoming project and help distribute the survey. And if they'd like to do a peer review of it, I'm sure that would be most welcome. For this project, I should say we're working with Dr. Henry Chensbrough, who's the father of open innovation from uh, the Garwood Center of Innovation at UC Berkeley. He's published about five books on the subject of open innovation. And when I joined the LF a year ago, his works were on my onboarding list of literature. And he's on our research advisory board and is really quite excited to provide a measure of economic value generated by open source technologies. There's another measure that is craved by the community and conversations that have come up among our advisory board members. And that's around the perceived value of citizenship and how open source contributions can have a positive impact on a brand. And what is that value and how does it influence buying decisions in the marketplace? The fact that an organization is contributing or not. That's the question that we have asked in the OSPO study. And it's consistently come back as being a very positive metric that there is perceived value and brand making purchase decisions or choosing organizations from whom to purchase product because of their participation in open source. So that's what enterprise wants to better understand. And patents, my colleagues would say, we want, we also want to understand that patent registration is no longer a measure of value or not an accurate measure of value. I guess you, you talked a little bit about it there, but just in terms of your research priorities, and then here you're talking about a couple of specific initiatives. I was thinking about your primary consumer of your research in terms of the focus that you choose. I mean, clearly there's so many different 
personas and or perspectives that you could be trying to serve. And it seems like those last couple of things you mentioned do seem to be a bit more business or company oriented, but I'm just curious how you're thinking about creating research for specific users or specific personas. Yeah, it's fascinating that each research project, I believe, speaks to different stakeholders in different ways. What we're trying to create is something for everyone, whether the reader is an enterprise, a platinum member of Linux Foundation, or a contributor, where diversity, equity, and inclusion issues are really quite personal and interesting. And certain reports speak to different stakeholders differently. I do believe that we as an organization, want to demonstrate that through research by providing insight and data that contribution to open source communities create value in different ways. For enterprise decision makers, we want to influence their open source strategy. We want to influence budget allocation. We want to influence in a positive way their willingness to dedicate employees to work in open source project communities. At the same time, we also want to inspire more diverse contributors to our communities, more underrepresented groups, and demonstrating that there is value for the individual contributor, whether it is career advancement or networking or knowledge, whatever value that may be. We think there's something to offer for everybody. And it's a matter of telling that story as to how participation is valuable and why it's valuable. There are more stories to tell than there's hours in the day to tell them. I definitely feel that pain. I do want to ask sort of a, a more slightly different line of questions, but just thinking about all of the work that you have planned. And I, I loved your comment on the high levels of voluntary participation, especially in surveys coming out of some of these spaces. And I have seen a growth in this type of research and type of surveys being run in various spaces I've myself have been a part of a lot of these things, at least within my own organization. But I think one of the concerns that I have is we want to protect our people's time. People are probably the most valuable aspect of all these things. And there's always the concern of oversampling now that we have now 10 different research organizations thinking about similar problems. So I guess my question to you and and the broader research community is, how can we achieve better coordination and transparency between our various efforts and initiatives so that we can collaborate where need be and say reduce oversampling of the same populations and just sort of thinking how we can work more in tandem with each other versus potentially overlapping. That's a tricky question to answer, but it's valuable. And we found so far that in some cases, we've launched a project like DEI when there were other DEI studies taking place in other areas of the community and coordination might have been beneficial. We don't necessarily publish our upcoming project list because we like to announce research projects around events and time them to create some excitement. And so it's difficult planning perfectly across different elements of our community can be challenging, but at the same time, our door is open. We have had organizations come to us to say, hey, we saw this research that you're doing in this area. We know you're working in cybersecurity as a priority research focus area. What projects are you doing this year? May I see the questions? And that way we'll ensure that we're not duplicating our efforts. So Sneak, for example, 
by way of their participation in the Open SSF, Open Source Security Foundation, learned that we were working with the Open SSF on identifying the software development process, identifying weak points within the development cycle. And they said, well, we'd love to participate. And then we know that we can focus on something different ourselves internally. So open conversations are always welcome. I don't have the perfect answer about how we can coordinate broadly as a community to not duplicate efforts. I think now that we've published reports in the first year, we're generating more curiosity about, okay, how can we streamline? How can we collaborate? And maybe it's a matter of having a channel, whether it's a LinkedIn group or an open source group where where all research enthusiasts come together and share what's on the perspective agenda with each other so that we're not competing needlessly with each other. Thank you, Hillary, for bringing that up. I think that's going to be of interest to many other research communities, both academic and from coming from company perspectives. I think there is a huge appetite, at least from the folks that I've spoken with. So I think the more that we can come together and collaborate on ideas, the better. I think the question that I have in a follow-up is that, I mean, you talked up front about the advisory board structure and you do have some existing partnerships in place with other collaborative projects. And are you thinking about a mechanism, thinking about, again, open source contribution models that we can expand visibility and participation in forming your research agenda and just sort of a mechanism for us to share with each other or share ideas with this community? I think establishing some kind of working group where every month or maybe it's every six weeks, I've joined the Open UK's uh, research call. And that's a forum to share research milestones, upcoming projects informally. But I don't know of a community or group that exists today. And maybe maybe now is the time to start one. So th- thank you, Hillary, for everything you've shared. Maybe we always like to ask at the closing, where can people follow your work? Where can they get in touch? Maybe that's one way to coordinate just by reaching out. For information on our published projects, you can go to linuxfoundation.org slash research. There you'll find our published deliverables to date. I can be reached at hcarter at linuxfoundation.org. Follow me on Twitter, follow me on LinkedIn, and I'm open to having a conversation anytime. You can also email research at linuxfoundation.org. And we'll put all that in the show notes. So now we come up to the last segment of our podcast, which is the value ads, where we share something that has brought value, joy, or meaning to our life recently. And I can kick us off. I am right now super excited for the next four days. It's spring break for our son right now. And we are going on a road trip to Green Bay, Wisconsin. So we have a plan packed with things to do for the next four days. And we are leaving tomorrow morning at 530 in the morning so that we can do it all. Anyway, I'm just super excited. And we are all super excited for that right now. Doing family vacations is so important. Wonderful. Safe travels and have a great time. I can say for me, apart from the joy that publishing a number of our research projects has given me that relate to solving some of the world's most pressing challenges, whether it is around equality and social justice or the environment, 
being able to work remotely. And for this summer, I'll be working remotely for the very first time at our cottage, which has never happened before. But I'm quite excited to move up to be in the lakes and forests of Northern Ontario for two and a half months and enjoy that opportunity that remote work provides. So that's on my happy list right now. Oh, nice. I'm very jealous. That is a wonderful thing to be looking forward to. For me right now, what's made me happy is looking through some of the submissions that came into Open Source Summit North America and some of the tracks. And there's been some awesome content. And I just can't wait to actually listen to some of these presentations live. I think there's a pent up demand for a lot of this stuff to be in person. And I'm excited to be there and see some of this. I'm going to take our observations back to travel because I've just been pretty excited to leave my house and see people in other parts of the world. And I think for me, a value add during this transitional period is like all of us have been trying to readdress and figuring out what schedules we need to set with ourselves to ensure that we are living to our fullest. And for me, figuring out, working out and keeping physical activity in part of your life has been a challenge with all these varied schedule changes. And so for me, I recently acquired a travel yoga mat so that I can bring it with me and all my travels, whether personal or work-wise. And I will say being able to roll it out in the middle of your hotel room just brought a lot more continuity to my practice. And was just like, I, I could have been doing this the whole time. I've been traveling 50% of my work time since like 2015. And I just figured this out. That brought a lot of both joy in the sense that I could continue some semblance of routine, but also we're kind of traveling again. And that's really exciting to to go out there and to do personal and professional travel. So excited to see all of you at an event coming up soon. My next Amazon search is travel yoga mat. <laughs> it is time to say thank you. Thank you so much, Hillary, for joining us today. It is an absolute pleasure to have had this opportunity. I'm very grateful to you, Georg, to Sophia and Kate and to the Chaos community for giving me this opportunity to talk about Linux Foundation research. And please don't get survey fatigue. Please keep contributing. Download our research. Subscribe to our newsletter. We are better the more this community participates. So thank you so much. Stay engaged. For sure. And thank you, Sophia and Kate, for being panelists today. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us today. To stay up to date on future episodes, subscribe for free to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And if you have ideas for future episode topics or would even like to come on as a guest, please email us podcast at chaos.community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time your chaos community.